Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of September 15th, where we're coming off a busy stretch of racing, a busy four nights of racing at Eldor Speedway for the double World 100s. The 51st World 100 won by Brandon Overton and the 50th World 100 won by Jonathan Davenport. I think we, uh, myself, Joshua Dwarner, the uh, DirtOnDirt.com staff writer, and the rest of the Dirt on Dirt staff are still recovering a little bit from a busy weekend. I'll uh, start with you, uh, Todd, since you should be the freshest, I, I guess, since you kind of anchored the coverage from home there. How are you feeling after uh, four nights of racing at Eldora? Yeah, it was, uh, I'm, I'm doing fine. It was a lot of racing, but, uh, uh, but what a great, uh, great weather, great, uh, great deal there at Eldora. It was a lot of, a lot of fun to watch you guys uh, work, work through all that stuff. It was certainly a lot to work through, a lot of storylines to cover and a lot of action to cover. Uh, Robert Holman, you were our, our weekend editor, but you were there kind of co- you were there doing the race updates as they went uh, kind of in the media center most of the time. How did uh, how, how would you rate your uh, double World 100s experience? I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it was uh, like Todd mentioned, you know, great weather we had. You know, we never even thought about a rain out or anything like that. Uh, the racing was excellent. Um, you know, just generally speaking, it was a really, really good weekend. And, uh, I was kind of glad that it, that it ended when it did, but, but really no complaints. Uh, I, I enjoyed myself. Yeah. Rob, Robert is being positive. I like that <laughs> positive Robert, but, uh, uh, our, our senior writer, Kevin Kovac and myself, uh, were the ones roaming the pit area most of the weekend, getting all the, uh, notes and, and updates uh, throughout the both the race nights and then after the races. Kevin, uh, any idea how much uh, ground you covered throughout the four nights? <laughs> I I got I should check my phone, yeah, and see you know, how many uh, miles were put on there uh, roaming around those pits because I'm sure we did a lot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it wasn't like I, I'll I'll uh, reiterate I think what Robert said about the weather that week this uh, whole week. Um, I mean, obviously it was, we knew it was going to be, it, it's a, it's a grueling week with four in a row and we're writing stories right afterwards and try not to get anything, get be too old news when, uh, especially after a Thursday world 100, uh, the, uh, the shelf life of the story is not going to last very long after, uh, after that with the, another one coming right up less than 24 hours later. But, uh, so that made it tough, but it, it, what the, what I was so thankful for was that weather was just wonderful all week. We never even had to look at a radar one time. And, and I don't know if I've ever gone to Eldora and not looked at a radar the entire time to at least see if something was coming. I mean, it was just perfect weather, uh, you know, and, and I'll, I'll take four rate four nights is long. Uh, you know, it's not quite five nights at Nebraska for I eighties in July, but when the weather is like 70 to 80 degrees every day, the sun goes down a little earlier than it does in the summer. Uh, it was, it, that was much more of a relief than the, those midsummer long stretches of racing at one racetrack. So, uh, I, I definitely a, a good week, a good week at Eldora. I liked it. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, echo those uh, sentiments there. Uh, the temperature was nice and made uh, the job. I mean, it didn't make it easy. It wasn't easy, but it, it certainly made it easier uh, to be out there roaming the pits uh, and not having to deal with 80, 90 degree weather. So definitely was nice uh, there. And of course, the racing was pretty good as well. Some good racing um, uh, most of the week and, and definitely a lot of storylines to keep up with, uh, which always makes it fun when you're covering it to try to try to keep up with everything going on. And I'll start with, uh, to me, was the, I guess, the, the most notable moment when, uh, or among the most notable moments when Brandon Overton took the lead on Saturday, I believe it was uh, around like 
42 or somewhere in that. I want to know if you guys, uh, you thought it was over at that point where we were, did you think we were headed toward a Overton four race sweep of the Eldor crown jewels Todd, What, what'd you think there when he took the lead? I, I did think it was over. And, uh, um, I mean, in retrospect, obviously we know how it played out and that Overton's car maybe wasn't as good as he'd hoped. I noticed he was running a little bit higher, but but yeah, when he took the lead, it looked like so many times we've seen before this season where he kind of stalks a guy. You know, he's working on Johnny Scott there for a long time. He, he got the feeling like he could have passed him whenever he wanted to. So that when he did, you felt like he was going on his own pace and on his own accord. Uh, but uh, uh, alas, his car wasn't quite as good as it had been. And, uh, and those other guys in Davenport was able to to get by him on that restart and Overton just didn't have, uh, didn't have the magic he's had. Yeah. I had to kind of had the same thought that, that you mentioned there whenever he was behind uh, Johnny Scott and I was actually watching it with, I was standing uh, by my brother watching the race and he kind of looked at me and you think, you think he's going to get him. I'm like, he's just toying with him at this point. That's, that's what it looked like. You know, he could have like you can passed, passed him at any time. Uh, and then you're expecting when he, when he does to kind of him to kind of take there. But of course that didn't happen. Uh, uh, Kevin, did you uh, expect uh, Jonathan Davenport to come on strong there at the end like he did? Did you see anything from him that indicated he'd uh, he'd be the one to to snap Overton's streak? Yeah, I'm not like really surprised. I mean, for I did have a one one little bit of doubt early in the race uh, when because Davenport started six one one row exactly right one row behind Overton, and as Overton moved up to to really right into the mix into the top three immediately. Davenport fell all the way back to 10th by about the 15th lap or so. And, and you're looking at that. I'm like, boy, wait a minute. But but then again, you had to remember that was the first time in a while. I, I remember that they really worked on the racetrack before the 100 lapper. I mean, they didn't really they didn't do that on Thursday. They didn't do it last uh, J- in June. Uh, and, and that was another uh, thought there was like, how's that going to affect uh, Overton for the for the long duration of the race? Because uh, he's that was the first time he had to deal with like that heavier racetrack at the beginning, a dirtier racetrack. I mean, it got dusty right at the start too, from the work they did. I was in the infield and inside of two and man, the wind was blowing it right in my, I had to kind of hold my notebook up because it was blowing in my eyes there. I'm like, well, I mean, that was the dusty that's been all week. Um, I mean, that calmed down towards the end more once it cleaned up, but uh, there was that, that was a, a, I had that doubt early. I didn't kind of know which way it was going. And then I saw uh, Davenport start moving up, moving up. And and remember, he came from deep in the field on Thursday. And he came within a sliver of taking the lead right around, I think it was lap 69. Uh, right when the guys, when, when it was McDowell at all, it just kind of slipped by Overton. Overton was up there. Davenport comes up. Hudson O'Neill and McCready were all there. Top five had come together. It's Because everybody would, had, had sort of was looking for that that. It was starting to rubber. Everybody's looking for that one spot. And it seemed like Davenport got it first. He's ready to go right by. And he said he messed up a little bit. He, he, he knew that Overton hadn't seen it in one and two, the rubber. And he was ready to sneak by him. And that could have given him the win in that race because there wasn't going to be much passing once everybody knew where the rubber was. And But he messed up going through three and four. And, and I know that that moment when he when he didn't win on Thursday, Davenport ended up falling back to fifth. That kind of motivated him for Saturday. I mean, he's he loves Eldora, and his crew guys all say it. He's in another world, another focus, another concentration level when Eldora week comes. And um, and I know that that kind of made him mad on Thursday, and he was going to do everything he could to win on Saturday. And 
and he had that car exactly right. They went over it perfectly, got it right, and he had the better race car on Saturday, and it was uh, it became evident as that race went on. Yeah, he definitely came on strong, and and I'll I'll agree with you about the uh, the race. Uh, the track prep right before the race. I, I've anyone, well, I, I don't want to give my secret away, but the best time to get food at Eldora is uh, as the cars are rolling out while they do the four wide and all that after their intros. And that's typically what I do because by that time of the night, I, I realize I haven't eaten. But that was the wrong move on Saturday because then all my uh, my cheese curds or whatever those things are called got covered in dust for the first 10 laps. So uh, anyway, yeah. um, just a little tip there. <laughs> but it was quite dusty. And, and they're and, called and spicy racing, cheese balls, Joshua. I mean, oh, okay. let, let's My get bad. that right. They're I, called spicy cheese balls. You don't have balls. them in Florida. I only right. get them when I go uh, to Eldora and a couple other uh, They're cheese in the Midwest, curds in so. Wisconsin, up at Cedar Lake. They got You got to know they're spicy <laughs> okay. cheese balls. People will be angry at okay. you. Like if you don't call it a pizza there, burger. There, there's a difference. Okay. I, I got a pizza go. burger too this, uh, this trip for the first time ever at Eldora for me. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. But uh, anyway, uh, Robert, any um, any input on the uh, uh, concession food from you or more importantly, any thoughts on uh, uh, Davenport and Overton's performance uh, on the weekend? Uh, you know, well, as far as the concession goes, I really didn't get an opportunity to go that much. The first night I was kind of slammed. I was there for like five hours without getting up while I was doing those updates and stuff. But uh, so I didn't really do the concessions much like I used to. Usually when like when Allie was with us, I'd go about three times a night because me and her shared a lot of duties and, and I had to get a little I had a few more breaks. And so uh, so maybe it's a good thing that uh, I was I was there uh doing it alone so maybe i'll lose some weight anyway as far as the racing goes um it was it did it seem like uh you know a a role reversal to you guys uh with 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 jd and and overton you know because it seemed like to me that uh brandon went out a little bit faster it kind of reminded me of a you know a track and field race or a long distance race you know that i used to cover when i was doing high school sports you see that kid that goes out faster you're like oh he's never gonna last you know uh, and then another guy just kind of comes on at the end, like in the 3,200 or something. And, and it, it basically, it seemed like Brandon started a little quicker in this particular race than he had in the ones that he won. While I think Kevin mentioned, you know, that, that JD fell back to 10th. And then I think in one of the stories, uh, he, you know, JD mentioned himself that he, uh, you know, they just started coming back to him and that's the driver speak for I'm catching this guy. Uh, so, so it seemed like there was a kind of a role reversal there that, that, cause I think those two world 100s, I mean, sorry, the two dreams, Brandon, uh, didn't take the lead until halfway or a little bit beyond halfway. And, and in this particular race, he was really pressuring Johnny Scott early. Uh, I don't know if it was a situation where he felt like he needed to go ahead and try to get by him or, or what was going on, but it just it just seemed like he went out a little fast, and uh, uh, it looked like he was you know just really pushing hard there while JD was kind of on cruise. And then you know if you're if you're for me, I was in the media center, like you'd mentioned, and I'm watching it on a, a screen, listening listening to the you know the guys up in the booth, uh, so you don't see the people making a charge. You don't see all the time Mike Marler flying up through the front or whatever. You see what they're showing you. And while it is a great broadcast, being there in person is so much better 
because you can watch what you want to watch. You can pinpoint a driver and, 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 and check his progress as he's coming up through the field and whatnot. So I really wasn't aware of where JD was at all the time. And then all of a sudden, bam, he's there and he's a factor in the race. And then all of a sudden he wins number four. So, uh, so anyway, that's, that's kind of my take on, on the main event on Saturday. Uh, it just seemed like, you know, Brandon went out a little faster than he usually does. And, and JD was just kind of laying there in wait. Yeah, I agree. It kind of seemed, uh, like you said, a little bit of a role reversal there. I, I don't know that I would say Overton used his stuff up or anything like that. I just, um, I would, I would say I think Davenport and then at the end Marler as well, or uh, had better cars at, at, you know, for the track conditions uh, that we talked about. I, I do, and, and as I figured this would happen, and I didn't mean for it to happen. I, uh, I guess I should have did a better job of planning my questions, but I figured we would be talking more about Saturdays. Uh, it result than we would Thursdays as, as Kevin mentioned, you have them back to back and it's, it's almost like you almost forget about Thursdays because of Saturdays. And I didn't want that to totally happen. Um, but I also wonder if that's kind of what happened with the drivers as well. And I wonder if, you know, maybe, uh, what you guys think, if who's leaving, uh, Eldora, this, uh, of the two winners, who's leaving Eldora happier, um, you know, uh, Brandon Overton winning on Thursday is third, straight Eldor crown jewel or, or uh, Jonathan Davenport wrapping up the weekend, the most uh, you know, recent winner at Eldor and getting his fourth at World 100. Which one do you, th- you guys think is, is happier leaving El- Eldor right now? And I'll, I'll start with you, Kevin. What do you think? Well, I think it's – these guys are so competitive. I'd have to go with Davenport because uh, the last guy, the last winner is always going to probably be the happiest uh, no, no matter what, that's just the that's just the mindset of these guys. I mean, if they lost, they that that's sticking in their mind. And and I'm I'm sure Davenport's his his uh fun of winning the World 100 is already over because last night, uh, well, on Monday night he went to Fairbury like a race two days later and had a starter fire there and had to use a provisional finished I think believe seventh. So uh, that's the last one that's in his mind now. So he's already like that. Well, wouldn't the World 100 happen? I'm mad about the last race I just ran. But I, I, Overton was still – he accepted it well. He was a very – I think he he knows like, man, I won three in a row. How, how long can this go? And actually I was walking through the pits after the race, and his trailer was already all packed up, and I didn't even see anybody really around him. And he was actually with his uh, fiance and a couple other people towards the side. So I kind of walked right by him, and, and Overton's like, hey, go back. You ain't gonna talk to me because I didn't win, you know. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even see you over there. Sorry about that, Brandon. You know, I always want to get something from Brandon. He's always gonna have something good. But and then I, yeah, when, and I'm, I would uh, certainly I was gonna talk to him if I see him. And then I talked to him a little bit, and he just he accepted it. You know, he's like, I, uh, he was certainly not some downtrodden guy because he lost the race finally, and he knew it was going to come and he had said, he said it was so hard. He had such a good race car for three straight 100 lappers there. He goes, how do I change it? I mean, what do I do? What do I change it? And again, remember right back in, back in June, he was talking about how after he won two that, you know, Jonathan Davenport and McCready and Kevin Rumley, all those guys that he had lit a fire into them and they were going to be working harder to overtake him. And, and, and that's kind of what happened. Don Davenport admitted it. He said, he goes, man, yeah, he, we got behind the first two nights at the dream in June fell behind him and we're just catching up. Finally caught him back up on Saturday really. And um, so, but again, Davenport's a little bit happier, but uh, I think uh, his still was a $12,500 day for, 
for third place for Overton. I mean, I mean, that, he he damn he won over three hundred fifty thousand dollars at Eldora this year, so he can't yeah. be leaving there very angry. He's uh, it's, it's quite impressive for sure, uh, and and it, I think it's always a probably a good thing if you talk about being disappointed and finishing third in a crown jewel. That's you know it's a good standard to have if that leaves you you disappointed. But uh, Todd, I'm gonna kind of kick it to you. It's a similar question with a little bit of twist on it. Not not see which one's happier, but which one is uh, which performance? And we talked about this a little bit in um, in uh, fast talk this week. But which performance is is more significant in your mind? Uh, both maybe kind of a, a combination of, you know, which one's more impressive right now and which one's more historically impressive. Uh, what, what, what would your take on, on the two performances there? Uh, I think that it is kind of a macro micro thing. You know, the focus on Overton one and three in a row here in such a short stretch jumps out at us right now. But, but as somebody said, kind of looking back, when you look back through the records, especially if Davenport goes on to win more World 100s in his career, you'll see, oh, he won four in this six-year stretch, which really looks impressive. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's it's a little tricky. I mean, you, you, believe me, both guys are happy with their, their streaks. I mean, you know, Overton's, I think, maybe as time goes on, hopefully, if we never have – a season with two World 100 and, and two Dreams all at the same time, it will stick out for that reason because, oh, what a strange year that was. You know, we had four races and, and, and one guy won three of them. Uh, so that, that will stick out as a little bit of an oddball thing. Uh, but certainly, I mean, and the fact that he finished third the other night, it's not like he didn't show up or didn't make the race or, or crashed out or something. I mean, he's right there. So Overton's... Uh, uh, what in the, I mean, it's it's the best si single season anybody's had at Eldora, so that will certainly still stand out no matter what goes on uh, in the years to come. Yeah, definitely for sure. A uh, something that will uh, be significant, and when you look back at the his history books, it's uh, you know certainly a solid performance um, there for Overton and Davenport, of course, as well. Robert, uh, what do you? Anything else stand out to you? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of performances, but what what uh, other performance by non-winner, not Davenport or Overton, uh, stood out to you as impressive uh, over the week there for Dora? Well, first of all, I have to ask: uh, Do we crown? Brandon Overton as the track champion at Eldora. See, the, I mean, see, she gets the track champion. Crown jewels, I, mean, I guess. So, <laughs> he's. He, I don't know how many, how much late model stuff they race. Otherwise, but I think he's the track champ, right? Six well, wins in one year. He's coming into the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Do what, Todd? He wasn't leading the points coming into the weekend, I don't think, but I'm not sure exactly what they are now. But yeah, I would think he would be right up there. Yeah. Well, um, whether know, or not he uh, won other, the points, other. he certainly dominated the the track this year, as far as the crown jewels go. So. <laughs> you know. You know. Otherwise, you know, I, I just I'm thoroughly impressed with with Mike Marler's effort on Saturday, and again, we keep focusing on saturday race a lot because we really had to put thursday in our rearview mirror and and just continue to, to push on and work and it's like okay here's this other race again and so and we kind of live in a world of of what have you done for me lately you know and and that's the way these a lot of these drivers think that's the way everyone thinks now it seems like uh so i i, I just what has mike marler done for me lately uh Eldori put on a hell of a show you know, he, he's 
he passed a lot of race cars and Eldora is not an easy place to get around. I've seen some really good race car drivers that were really good in their element elsewhere go to Eldora and be very, very humbled. I've seen some, and we all have, we've seen some really good race car drivers back their stuff into the fence at Eldora, drive into the fence at Eldora. I've seen, I saw Rex Ritchie, who I thought was an excellent race car driver, go up there and not once, but I think twice during qualifying, you know, uh, smack the wall. Eldor is a tough, tough place to get around. So for JD and Brandon to have achieved the success that they've achieved over, think about it. If you put the two together, look at what they've accomplished over the last six years. It's incredible. Just these two drivers. So, uh, so with, with that said, what, what, what Marler did coming from, you know, he almost deserved to win coming from where he came to run second. He was rolling and uh, very impressed with Mike, Mike Marler's effort, not only Marler, but his crew getting that car back together. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff behind the scenes. You don't realize that that's going on and he rushed to get out there and stuff. So I, I was really impressed with, with Mikey's run. Yeah, definitely an impressive turnaround for him. I think uh, if he had had a, let just say, a dismal week at Eldora up until his B main, and I don't, if maybe someone, else, I would want someone to check this uh, to make sure I was accurate. But I, it, from where he started in his B main to go all the way to second in the uh, in the feature, something like thirty eight cars he had to pass. I don't know if that's that's accurate. I just did rough math and math, and I'm not a mathematician. Uh, but it was it was impressive, none the least. So good, uh, good, a good end to did uh, the week for him. A good turnaround there for Mike Marler, uh, jo- Robert, Joshua, uh, excuse me, Kevin, Joshua. Yeah, we 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 had written him off, right? Hadn't we all written off? Yeah, Mike oh yeah, Marler I, going into, going I didn't think he was making the show. And I would say that the B yeah, mains yeah. in general were were impressive for the 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 runs. You, you had uh, Devin Moran made a strong run uh, through uh, to to did he? I think he won the B main maybe or. Um, he got to transfer and then and Tyler Herb came up one spot short, but had a good run from the tail uh, in the B main. So there are a lot of drivers moving forward um, there that made it interesting uh, when usually the B mains are kind of a, a break sometimes before the uh, before the, the feature. We were certainly paying attention there. Uh, what about you, Kevin? What What's uh, some performance uh, that stood out to you besides the two winners there? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, well, the other other two winners of the week were Johnny Scott and Greg Satterley. And those are. Uh, those are you know different names where like they're not the guys that are, uh, that you would normally expect to be up front there and I mean a winning race is a uh, Greg Satterley finally did win one though uh, back at the Dream so he he won a preliminary two Crown Jewel uh, weekends in a row and and that kind of shows where he's come he's been there a decade now and Satterley's little by little he always seems like a- after he kind of gets it he doesn't just jump in a, a new racetrack and seems like he wins. But after he runs there several times, uh, it, it's been like that when it took him a while to win a World of Outlaws race. And then he finally won some, uh, now he's won multiple and uh, same with the Lucas Oil race. And so uh, I, I gave uh, a, I, I want to give a shout out to Satterley for that. I want to ask you there, is he now, you know, after he's he's got a runner up, I think, in the world a couple years ago, he's now won two prelim races this year. Is he now one of the maybe most uh, best performing drivers at Eldor, not the best, but among the best performing at Eldor, Eldor drivers to not win one yet, a crown jewel, you think? Is he getting in that category, perhaps? He could be getting in that category. It's like, I, I know when he did finish second it, it, a few years ago, 
to, to Davenport, I believe. And it, it wasn't like he was like, he, he even said he was, it wasn't like, uh, well, I had some heartbreak and finished second, got passed at the end, broke, ran, you know, ran, he wasn't leading or anything. And, and he wasn't particularly close to winning the race. Uh, so he doesn't feel like he let one get away there. I mean, obviously you're second and you, some one thing would have happened and you could have won, but it uh, wasn't that close. So uh, he hasn't, hasn't, hasn't like knocked on the door so close where uh, and had that total heartbreaks of the Chris Maddens or the Daryl Lanigans or anything like that. But after you've been there a, a decade and you've, you've won some preliminaries and you've won and you've got second, you got to be getting closer to that category. And, um, he, he didn't run his super great on on in Saturday's race. I think that was a little disappointing for him after the Friday show. He had to qualify through a B main. So that was a little, probably a little letdown for him. Uh, but he, he's, he's moving into that upper echelon. He's got a crew chief there, Robbie Allen, who's been going there for 30 years without winning the world 100. So maybe those two things will come together eventually here and, and they, and they get the right, right mix to win. And, uh, I'd also mention Johnny Scott. I mean, that's only his third, uh, late model win. I mean, he's, he's only ran his first late model race two years ago uh, at Eldora when he drove uh, his brother Stormy's uh, backup car. So he doesn't even, I mean, that just barely has a hundred races. I don't even know if he has a hundred races in a late model under his belt. And you don't usually see a guy that only had two wins uh, in his career in a late model win any kind of race at Eldora. So uh, give him credit for that. And he came and he also led laps on Saturday and but his inexperience, uh, obviously, and like in the story uh, Joshua wrote about him, kind of kind of hurt him, and he got a little trouble in lap traffic, and and wasn't there at the end of the race to to get a good finish in the World 100. Uh, but good weekend otherwise. I mean, Johnny was one of the. Uh, you, know, you talk to anybody in that pit area, Johnny Scott was probably one of the happiest guys uh, right after that first night. Didn't matter what happened. I mean, it would have been another little cherry on top if he did better in those uh, in, in the rest of the week. But man, he won that race on Wednesday. <laughs> he was he was cool to talk to, and he he was really really happy. Yeah, it's, it's mentioning Johnny Scott. It's, it's well, I shouldn't say it's funny. It's 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 interesting. I walked up to him after the race on Saturday, and his car sitting there, beat up. Like I don't want to say demolished, but it was it had taken a hard hit there. Um, he was worried it may be bent. Um, he didn't know for sure, and they were gonna have to check and everything. But you know, but I was surprised how upbeat he was despite that. And and then I remembered, oh yeah, he won a race here on on Wednesday. You know, so um, you know, despite you know you're coming up short leading laps to come up short uh, there in the, in the finale and, and, and ended up with a torn up race car. Uh, that's still definitely something for him to hang his hat on there. So uh, good, good run for him for sure. Uh, Todd, what about you? What's a, another uh, top performer or performance that you were uh, impressed by that uh, other than the winners? I mean, I guess it's ho-hum for him, but Dale McDowell, you know, I mean, he just continues to be there in the mix and really, you know, as Kevin was saying at the end of Thursday's race, he was in the mix to where if if he would have kind of gotten the right position, he might have, you know, held on and won that race. And he finished third. Uh, seventh, a little more disappointing on Saturday. But but McDowell, for, for his age and his umpteen top ten finishes in, in Crown Jewel events in a row, it's, uh, or I don't know, maybe he's missed one top ten out of his last 20 starts or something. He he's remarkably always there, and uh, um, and you know he's he's I guess he's 55. He's an older guy, and you know doesn't seem to be slowing down. As a matter of fact, clearly his better better career at Eldora has been when he's been 
you know, on the, the second half of his career. So, um, you know, not a, not a win, but uh, always right there in the mix, down McDowell. It definitely wasn't most impressive to me to McDowell is, is his overall performance this year. You look at his his schedule, he's only won a couple of races and, and not doing quite as well as he usually does. Uh, but he's still definitely, uh, despite that, is is performing well, if not better uh, than he has uh, recently at Eldora. So he's got something figured out there that's that's working for him. Uh, I'll mention uh, a couple of drivers with solid performances. And it's interesting to me how uh, certain guys were, are always good at Eldora, like like McDowell, but uh, some other guys there too. Uh, Tim McCready um, there with his, excuse me, his second place finish on uh, Thursday and I believe fourth, I think he was on Saturday. Um, but, it, but his second place finish, and we've talked about this already, um, you know, in a, in a prior podcast, but another $20,000 runner up for him there on Thursday. That's his fifth, if you're counting. Fifth, uh, second place finish that pays $20,000. I believe those five finishes are better pay more than any win he has this year. So uh, another impressive run for him to coming up, but just short and another crown jewel um, there. But still, I'm sure he's uh, he was, was was happy with the overall performance on the weekend, though. I'm sure he would have liked to have won one of those. And then uh, I'll mention Chris Ferguson as well. Um, you know, I didn't realize it, but on Thursday uh, when he finished seventh, that was his best world 100 finish um, because he's run so well in the dream and had a couple of uh, top fives and a third uh, there earlier this year and in, in the second dream. Um, but you fear that he doesn't, hasn't typically ran as well there in the world. And he's finally, uh, put it together in the, uh, in September and got him a career, but not one, but two career best world 100 finishes seventh on Thursday, and then improved on it again with a fifth place result on, uh, on Saturday. So definitely a good performance by him. That's one thing uh, I was kind of interested in and thought maybe we could discuss for a second here while we're talking about it is these guys like the, you know, Dell McDowell, obviously Overton this year, but you also throw Tim McCready in there. Um, and, and even Ferguson, he's a guy that, you know, not typically not great at other tracks, but uh, for him to be so good typically or, 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 or perform so well at Eldora on a regular basis. And again, Dell McDowell, uh, Tim McCready, those guys are just always good at Eldora. Like any any idea what what stands out, what makes them so good there? Uh, when even some of the best drivers uh, that can perform well elsewhere kind of have are up and down at Eldora. What do you think is the difference that makes those guys so consistently good there? And uh, Todd, I'll start with you on that one. Uh, I mean, one thing the the kind of the long distance cars and you know the the Bloomquist and Team Zero cars have kind of been long distance cars and. And, and McDowell and, and Ferguson are both in those cars. I think drivers that tend to tend to run well later in a big race tend to do well at Eldora. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I, it, it's a I think it's a little bit of a mystery because if it was easy to uh, everybody to be good at Eldora, there would be a lot more people good there. Uh, you do notice that though. You kind of you, you get there on a weekend. You're like, well, this guy. Again, this guy does not have it at Eldora, and that's got to be kind of frustrating when when we have this this uh, this track that is the epicenter of the sport. Uh, and even though you may be good at ten other tracks and you have tons of wins somewhere else, if you do not perform well at Eldora and kind of have it in your career, uh, you know Josh Richards comes to mind, a guy who just cannot quite get it there. Uh, you know, it's it's a little mark for you of like, man, why does it have to be that track where I'm not, or or that's that's one of my bugaboo tracks. So uh, it's got to be frustrating for those guys, but uh, it is interesting. You kind of pick it out on the first day of a weekend like this, like, well, there's a guy, he's always good at Eldora, you know, and he 
performs well throughout the weekend, but uh, uh, it's it's a tricky thing to do. Or as I said, more more people would uh, uh, be able to improve on their uh, Eldora record throughout their careers. Yeah, and Kevin, anything to add to that? And it, you know, Todd kind of hits the point there that if if we knew what made them better, then other guys would figure it out and do it too. But uh, Kevin, any thoughts on that? There, what uh, makes some of those guys so good and so consistent at Eldora? Yeah, I, I'm talking with with Jonathan Davenport and Mike Mahler mentioned the same thing, and I mean Overton has mentioned it too, and it's uh, and they they all kind of pointed out where like, man, you can't mask a bad car at Eldora. You know, you you can't like just take some car that and just rip it around the cushion or something because there's not always much of a there really wasn't much of a cushion this weekend. There a little bit there, but you weren't running that to send any kind of win in the hundred lapper. That's for sure. Uh, like if you don't, you gotta have it right. And with Eldora, that's so. And Davenport mentioned this too, where it's it's such fine tuning that goes on. You know, you you know, you you get a good car, and then you're just making little things happen. So it, the big the the number one thing is to get that good car. And it seems like it's hard for a lot of guys to get that that first step before they uh, uh you know before you can get into that fine tuning that's needed. And there's some guys like the Davenport, obviously, Overton now, uh, and Bloomquist and the Moyers and, the, you know, the, these guys that are at McCready seems like he's gotten it now and, and maybe has a little bit to do with their 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 mindsets. Also, they they're 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 smoother drivers. They they kind of have patience and, you know, they're not like going to overreact when somebody goes by. They're going to take what they get, you know, and, and and they're content to lean back a little bit if they have to. And. Uh, I, I think some of those qualities are why they're they're better there. Uh, um, you, you're not you just can't hammer it. You can't hammer it there. And that's exact. That's again another thing that that Davenport said. You you it's a chess game, not checkers, and it it, it takes a special combination of everything, driver and car, to to make it work. Yeah, Davenport and Overton are up there playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers, I guess, is, is what you're saying there, the, the old uh, saying. But, uh, yeah, interesting perspective there. Uh, one thing, I want to hit on a couple other things before we move on from uh, Eldora, some some overall overarching themes there. And, and one thing I don't think many people have mentioned, and I don't know if it's a big deal or not. I'll get your perspective on this, Robert, but the car count was uh, on the 80 on, uh, on Thursday or um, on Wednesday, I guess, and then you had 79 enter on Friday. Uh, so the 50th World 100 had the second lowest car count, uh, only uh, better than the uh, inaugural um, World 100 in, um, I'm forgetting the year, uh, 50 years ago, uh, 51, I guess, but uh, had, I think, 68 cars. And then it, it shot up rapidly uh, through the years after that. Robert, any any thoughts on that? Is that concerning at all? What do you, what do you think there when you see that uh, that lower car count? It doesn't really concern me necessarily. I do think that there are a ton of factors that that go into car counts. You know, when Eldora's heyday, which is we're still in the middle of it. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. Eldora is Eldora, and as long as we're going there, let's just say we're we'll be in its heyday. But but back when you know back when they we're getting 200 cars, 210 cars. Keep in mind that back then, obviously you could enter two and some guys brought three cars, you know, you could enter two and three cars. And so that drove up those astronomical crazy numbers for starters. But then now 
fuel is expensive. Tires, shortage, expensive when you do get them. Motors out of the stratosphere expensive in terms of the most expensive they've ever been. And, and, and that is the, any driver will tell you that the, the, uh, the most expensive part of, of the race car is, is that engine package, especially a new one, not one that's they've bought used or refreshed or whatever, but, or getting one refreshed. But when you could buy a brand new built from scratch power plant, that is the most expensive thing we have to pay for. And that is the most, that's the one thing we cannot control. So you go to Eldora and you think you have everything in your control because you're a driver. So you can control whether or not you're going to hit another car or anything like that. You can't control your, your engine. So there's a lot of factors that go into um, why the car count would be down because Eldora is, Eldora hasn't really changed. I don't think they've lengthened it. I don't think they've shortened it. Eldora is Eldora. Eldora is always going to be hard on motors, especially when you're, zinging them around through there, at, you know, over 9,000 RPM for long periods of time. So a lot of guys maybe didn't want to take a chance at this. Um, I do think that crate racing has taken some drivers out of the mix and that's all about finances. It goes right back to the, to the same thing. I, I think there are just as many late model cars out there in America. People may disagree, but I think there are just as many late model cars out there in America as there ever has been. They're just spread out in a thousand divisions. You know, you have, uh, and, and I think that that it, it affects all these things go into affecting whether or not your, your car counts up. So, to answer your question, no, I'm not concerned. You know, we might get back to 90 next year. Now, if we get if we start dipping down to 40 at the World 100 then i might i might have some concern but the world 100 has and one thing that that you ask kevin and and maybe todd also about what it takes to get around there or why these such and such one group is so good or why one group gets it and one well all the drivers that kevin mentioned well he just mentioned like the best drivers in america they kind of have the one thing in common they're damn good they're, they're, they're as good as it gets in what we have right now. So, you know, they, they are, they are today's Jeff Purvis and Larry Moore and, and Donnie Moran and, and, and Billy Moyer, the, the guys that are doing it right now are, are like those guys that got it done in the past. When I went there and it seemed like Billy Moyer and Donnie Moran were the only damn winners. I'm like, good Lord, can somebody else win this race? That's probably what somebody is feeling right now when they see da a Davenport or they see or they see Overton. They're probably going to these races thinking, "Well, I sure would like to see somebody else win." You know, that's kind of the way I felt in the mid '90s when it seemed like every time I went, it was Moyer or Moran. So, so I don't think really a lot. The more things, I guess, you know, like they say, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I don't think a lot has changed. You know, yeah, the numbers down, but. Eldora has always been about the elite. And I was talking to Clint Smith earlier this year about the big race that they're going to have at Sonoa. And he's like, this track is an equalizer. This track is a place where somebody that's not an elite team because of the surface and the size of the track could come in and possibly win a big payday. Eldora is not like that. Eldora is a, is, is the top 
tier teams. It's for the elite. So it doesn't matter if you have 80, if you have 40, the elite are going to be there battling for that globe at the end of the day. And that's that's the way it was this week. That's the way it's always going to be, regardless of what the car counts are. Absolutely. Yeah, the uh, cream always seems to rise to the top at Eldora. Uh, speaking of uh, the cream, it'll be uh, going different directions this week. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple of uh, big upcoming races. Uh, you got we were going to have three 50,000 to win races uh, this weekend, one of them being the uh, Super B crate race down in Louisiana. That was uh, we just found out that was rained out uh, or canceled because of impending storms coming through. Um, so, uh, just two, just two 50,000 to win races is, is all, uh, this weekend. That'll be the, uh, Knoxville nationals with the Luke Soul Lake model dirt series out there. And then of course the, uh, Texas dirt nationals at the uh, dirt track at Texas motor speedway. So be interesting to see who heads where, uh, how those car counts turn out and then how the racing goes at the two tracks be a lot to follow for sure. Uh, give us, uh, give us a couple storylines, maybe one from each, uh, event that you guys will be watching this weekend um, at, between Texas and Knoxville. Kevin, I'll start with you. What's a couple of things you'll be watching? Oh, up at Knoxville, this this driver should be going there. He says he's going there, Jonathan Davenport. Um, he's still, I mean, he has fallen back a little bit in the point standings with Luke's Oil Series. So he could go to Texas, uh, give up on the, the Lucas stuff, and and then go to Las Vegas for the, for the next race that of this XR Series that – uh, they'll have in November, and then he could run with with being at Bristol and Texas, and then go there. He could be running for 100,000 to win. They double your money that you win in at Las Vegas if you have perfect attendance at, from Bristol and Texas. So uh, that Las Vegas race would pay big money for him if he did it. But he says he's uh, he, he indicated after the race at the World 100 he's going to Knoxville, and that 50,000 is going to help out now too. And he he is in the mix for the for the championship still and. And the thing about Knoxville is Jonathan Davenport has still not won the Knoxville Nationals. So that's that's one of those things on his resume that's just kind of missing. And and he hasn't finished particularly well there either. I'm looking at a one, two, three, four, five, six. He's run, run it seven times he's been in the feature. And he's got a second in, in 2017 to Mike Marler. Uh, other than that, he, he, his best finish is a 10th. He, he's, uh, he's won a couple preliminaries. He went 14 and 15. Best finish was a 10th. Uh, probably the best chance he had was in uh, 15 with the Rumley car. He led five, the laps uh, five through 43 and then hurt the motor. So that's a racetrack that, you know, I mean, you, you, yeah, that, he should be really good there, you'd think. I mean, that, that'd be a place where uh, Jonathan Davenport would already have a, a crown jewel win, and that's something that's still missing. He, he needs to get in. And you go down to Texas, uh, um, uh, kind of uh be watching uh, you know again th this is for brandon overton to go down he's going to texas and he will be in the mix now for the hundred thousand dollars at las vegas um if for another big he doesn't get to run for points this year no he's not getting any extra money from points funds uh, uh for uh because he's just been an independent guy so that might that's definitely a good uh a bonus for him like this looked like that could be his point fund money if he goes out to Las Vegas and gets that double the double his purse uh, uh, because of that and which it's that, that Las Vegas race is the same week as the Sonora race that uh, the, that that's uh, you mentioned there a couple minutes ago and and that's going to be tougher over to not to go i guess the only way he goes to sonoa is if the promoters would say like well we'll double your purse instead <laughs> if uh instead of going to las vegas so but, uh, but i'll stop there and uh and, and uh let, let everybody else go 
it will be interesting. I know we're we're well ahead of that right now, but it'll be interesting to see these guys that do go to Texas and have um, have been still in Texas and are eligible for that double your money deal at Vegas. Where you know if they win at Vegas, then it would be you know they, they'd be racing for hundred grand going out there. It'll be interesting to see who goes where come uh, come November, the second weekend of November there, um, uh, with that, that all that money on the line way out west there. So we'll have to. You know, we'll get an indication of that by seeing who's at Texas and has also been to Bristol, um, you know, this weekend. So, uh, Todd, what about you? What's a, a couple storylines you're following between the two races this weekend? Well, I think in Texas, I mean, I'm interested to see who goes. I guess Overton and Pierce and and, and generally probably some regional guys are going to be there. Uh, I will say that track, you know, it has had a lot of super late model races over the years. You know, mostly regional events, I, I guess. You know, 20, it's been 20 something years ago, I guess, since Ava Tampa ran there. Generally, the track has been a little bit, a little bit rough, a little bit rugged. You know, it's not not Overton's cup of tea. So it'll be interesting to see how the track turns out uh, this week. Uh, of course, they're going to be racing on it all week with some other divisions uh, and see how that turns out. Up in Knoxville, uh, what? Uh, caught my eyes when uh, they changed the purse there to 50,000 to win. They also added the runner-up uh, uh, purse is now 25,000 to win, which Kevin and I dug through the other day, and and it looks like that's going to be the the fourth highest uh, runner-up purse in the history of dirt late model racing. Uh, of course, we had the uh, Eldora Mill was 50,000 to win that Steve Smith, uh, when he finished second, and then both the Dirt Millions at Mansfield that played that 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 kind of escalating purse, they paid uh, 40 and 50,000 uh, per second. Uh, but you know, most of them, as you mentioned with McCready, went in 20,000 so many times. 20,000 has kind of been the ceiling for runner-up uh, purses for, for the biggest races. So for Knoxville, to go to 25,000 uh, for second. Uh, nobody wants to finish second, but if you are, I would rather finish second than the one that pays 25 grand. Uh, so that's neat up there at Knoxville that they put some money in that position as well. Yeah, we, uh, we're getting to the point where with all these increased payouts and money shows that you can make a living off a of running second uh these days just about so uh it's impressive there the second place payout at at knoxville uh robert what do you got what is a couple storylines you'll be following it's, since you won't be going to the this weekend uh, unfortunately that got rained out i know you were looking forward to going with your your brother there well uh definitely was looking forward to going to uh down to super b to chatham um you know I'll, actually one thing that's kind of st- kind of odd about that race, not really odd, but you know, you had to, most people are pre-entered for that race. I know they've opened it up a little bit now and said, just come one, come all, which I think I, I, I don't appreciate. And someone else who might not appreciate that is Kyle Bronson, who's pre-entered in that race. And so he's pre, pre-entered in the race. So he's paid his $250 entry fee. He clearly wasn't going to go because, you know, but now he might can go. You know, when it's rescheduled, I'm not sure if it has, you know. So anyway, Kyle Bronson is, is pre-entered. There's like 13 super late model drivers that I counted off the list. First list I say saw for Chatham that are uh, that are pre-entered. Uh, you know, your brother, Kyle Beard, Rob Litton, Randy Weaver, Mark Whitener, Bubba Mullins, John Mitchell, uh, Robbie Stewart, Kyle Bronson, uh, Chris McElhaney, Donald Watson, who is ageless apparently. Tanner Kellick and BJ Robinson. So those guys, um, um, 
now have a chance to to decide where they want to go. A lot of those are Texas guys right there that will that may now get back in their super and wind up, you know, like a John Mitchell and a, and, a, and a BJ Robinson and some of those guys now might get back in their super and and show up at Texas. So that might actually boost their car count a little bit, not not a great deal. And Todd, I was actually at that last Have a Tampa race at Texas. I love the facility. Um, that was 2001. Jimmy Mars won it. Track was rough as, as oh my God, it was rough. So I'm going to have my eyes on that to see, because I know they've run a lot of other races there, you know, but we don't really get a lot of information or news or videos that I see necessarily of Texas, you know, motor speedway dirt track. So I'll have my eye on that place to see how it races to see if it's smooth see what the track conditions are and see if we want to even go back to that place uh just because you know I, i'm curious because the first you know i remember like bill fry's in the air i mean it was it was rough and one thing that stood out for me uh doing a little uh, backtracking there in that 2001 race jimmy johnson was there of nascar fame driving one of dan sleepers backup cars uh, he had not yet made his name and been famous in NASCAR yet, but I spoke with Jimmy Johnson and he ran terrible. And then he decided to park the car. Cause he's like, you know, I'm just, all I'm doing is hampering. I'm just hampering Dan sleepers effort. I, I'm just slowing him down by running so bad. They don't even need to concentrate on me. So, so anyway, on a side note, when, when uh, Jimmy Johnson came to Eldora to run the prelude, and they said it was his first time in a dirt late model. I beg to differ because I saw him in a late model at Texas Motor Speedway Dirt Track. So let's let's get that straight. Anyway, so I'm looking for I'm looking to see what the, the car. I'm just saying. Let's get the facts right. Glad you right, clarified Jenny. that. Let's get the facts me. right, Double J. I mean, seven time you've been in a late model before. Don't be trying to trick us. Trying to show up and saying you ran bad because it's the first time you've ever been in a car like that. You know, it doesn't. Kyle Larson didn't use that excuse anyway. So I really, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, uh, what the track is like at Texas, uh, see how, see how it races. And then I'm just looking, you know, this is only the Knoxville nationals. It's only the 17th and it's a crown jewel. It, it's, I know as we're pushing two decades getting close, but that race to me is still kind of new. Um, so uh, I'm eager to see how how uh, some of these guys go out there and, and handle uh, themselves in sprint car territory uh, as well. So I'll definitely have my eye watching that. I've never, I mean, I've never been to Knoxville, so I don't know what in the hell to expect other than watch what I what I see on videos. So, uh, but I'm eager to watch it. It's always a fun race. All I get, Kovacs always talking about how great it is out there, and, and it's exciting. And I never. I, I I don't know. I just all I see is video, so that's what I'll be watching. I've never video. been either, Robert. So we're in the same boat. Maybe there. next go year. Maybe next year you and I can go. Maybe next year you and I can go and hey, so, tag team that. Yeah. Ne- all right. Talking about next year, I'm, my cousin is getting married. Knoxville weekend. I just learned that oh, from my, my mother. So I, I I've, I've already. Go. I mean, I maybe you can you can channel that in there because that's one wedding I might have to go to. So. <laughs> There we go. All right. Uh, plan that. A year ahead, you guys can plan that. 
<laughs> Sounds good. Thanks. So I think everyone but me has, has mentioned the storylines to watch um, uh, in, at Knoxville in Texas. I'll be real quick here because we're pushing up on time. I'll mention it in Knoxville. Uh, I'll be watching uh, Jimmy Owens, see if he can um, – I've said this a lot now – see if he can add a – uh, get a big win to go on his uh, campaign this year to kind of turn it. I don't say turn it around. He's had a, a decent year, but um, it would be a lot better if he could get a uh, crown jewel win. And, um, you know, the Knoxville Nationals would, would stand in for that for sure. At Texas, uh, I'm heading out there uh, to cover that. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I've never been uh, to that track. I've you know, obviously heard a lot about it. Um, uh, seen, and, you know, as Robert mentioned, seen some video from there. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm just looking to see forward to seeing the place and seeing how it races. And then kind of like, uh, like you guys uh, interested to see who goes and what the car count turns out like. So uh, that's my take on those two races. Uh, we'll go real quick here and finish up like we always do with our one more thing where we mention something, either a news item or a result from the past uh, past week that stood out to us. I'm going to mention uh, Putnam Raceway, a, a Florida track down here in Florida, in Satsuma, Florida. Um, they have, uh, they're having a 10,000 to win race, the Larry Duty Memorial on September 24th to 25th um, it was originally supposed to be a 3,000 to win race. They boosted it up to a $10,000 purse there. Uh, just pretty cool to see because that's a track that I, I believe reopened under new management this year. I don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, it's one of the few tracks in Florida I've never been to, uh, but it seems like they have uh, got a good thing going on there because I keep seeing um, uh, you know some big events being added there and held there. So um, yeah, cool to see another Florida track kind of uh, stepping stepping up what they're doing and and, and having uh, big races there. So. Uh, what about you, Todd? What you got for one more thing? I'll give a shout out to Pat Door up there in Wisconsin. He won uh, at Superior uh, a pair of twenty-five thousand or twenty-five hundred and nineteen dollar in the the Northern Nationals there at Gondic Law Speedway. So a big weekend for Pat. Definitely not not quite twenty five thousand, but still a big a big win for him. So what about uh, what about you, Kevin? What you got for one more thing? Uh, just came out uh, uh, this news here that next year's Firecracker One Hundred at Lernerville Speedway is going to be Lucas Oil sanctioned and also pay fifty thousand a win. It's going to go up from thirty, uh, thanks to some sponsorship from Big Big uh, River Steel, I believe it is, and uh, that'll be the highest paying race. That uh, that Lernerville's ever had for the late models. Uh, one year it did pay forty thousand uh, dollars back, uh, you know, more than a decade ago. That was it. That was its uh, event high. But the biggest uh, news item there, the biggest uh, thing to look at, is this race since two thousand seven, when it was launched, has been a World of Outlaws uh, Morton Buildings Late Model Series event. It's uh, it's that's one of the anchors of the World of Outlaws series. And I heard some rumblings earlier back in June that maybe something, you know, they, they, there was some not everybody's not seeing eye to eye there. Lernerville management and the outlaws and world racing group. And apparently that's the case because now they uh, uh, here it's going to be a Lucas oil race. And, and, and that you look at it, that's a big that's a big loss for the world of outlaws. Uh, it's one of their marquee events. And and now they're left uh, with I mean, you look down through the schedule and. They still have the fall, the Prairie Dirt Classic for 50000 to win. And, and right now, USA Nationals, is, as long as that stays uh, in the World of Outlaws uh, camp. And you have the World Finals also, but that's not really a big shoot pain rate. It's a big event, but not a huge pain race. And then you look at the uh, at Lucas Oil Series. They have the North-South 100, Knoxville Nationals, uh, Topless 100, Show Me 100, Dirt Track World Championship, Hillbilly 100, Pittsburgher 100, several other 20s and uh, and Outlaws, uh, their other races, the Illini 100, uh, they've had Bristol, 
Mississippi Thunder, Boone, Cherokee, these races that are just uh, are new paying big money. So outlaws are going to have to, there, there's not other, many other big races for them that are established for them to get. So uh, that, that's outlaw schedule. It'll be interesting to see what it ends up looking like next year with the firecracker not being in the middle of it. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, I, we'll probably save this for the offseason, but we need to have a, a, a topic of discussion here for the podcast. podcast would be, you know, where the two national tours stand. And certainly after that news came out, it was like a kind of eye opening, like yeah, that might change perspective a little bit without walls losing that race. But uh, we'll save that topic for a, a, another uh, podcast when things aren't quite so busy. Uh, Robert, finish it up with, with uh, one more thing. What do you got? Uh, my, my one more thing is uh, it's kind of a, a local a weekly type deal. David Sievers uh, from Chapel Hill, Tennessee, was leading the points in Clarksville's little Quicksilver late model series thing. Whatever's more of a, uh, so not a high dollar deal, but he was leading the points in that deal. And apparently, uh, he has uh, uh, COVID and is going to have to miss some races or miss a race at least. Uh, you know, however long it takes him and from what I from what I get from social media, uh, he they they had a meeting of the drivers and said, "Hey, you know how Outlaws and Lucas will give award hardship points." They had a meeting of the drivers to vote to see if they would like to give Sebers hardship points while he missed a race or two, and they voted no. We're not giving any hardship points. Sorry you got COVID, buddy, but you're not getting Arch. any hardship points for us. Mm -hmm. So anyway, and I, and I was kind of thinking about that. I'm like, that's not right, you know? And then my brother says, man, they're, they're, it's a different level of racers when you're talking about a more weekly deal and you're racing at the same track all the time. You see the same people all the time and, and you, and you grow some animosity sometimes here and there. And, 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 you know, you're battling door to door with these people every single it's just different than at the lucas or world of outlaws level where it's it's obviously clearly more professional and you know i'm sure there's some drivers that are like uh, oh i wish we hadn't given him hardship points but we're gonna you know but but you do that and move on but i just thought it was interesting that uh, they had a meeting of the, the, the kind of the guys there and they're like nah eh, maybe not don't think we will so that's my that's that's my one more thing. I actually have a, several things, but I'll leave it at that. I, hey, if <laughs> if you want if you want the if if you want the world of outlaws, won't the world of outlaws go throw a bunch of money down there at Phoenix City and and buy the National One Hundred, and then they do the same thing at the Dixie Shootout, and make those two races great again. You know, that's what that's what the world outlaws do. If they're losing races like Kovac is saying here, go go throw a lot of money at those two races and take those two over because those are two established races in the South at the end of the year that you could probably go get if you tried hard enough and, and bam, you're right back right back on track. I'll leave it at that. Bam. How about that? That, uh, certainly there are some races races out there that could use some uh, rejuvenation for sure. We'll, we'll say that. I don't know uh, if that would accomplish what they'd want to accomplish, but, you know, who knows? Maybe they should try. But anyway, speaking of accomplish what you want to accomplish, I think we've accomplished plenty here today. It's probably going to want to be one of our longest podcasts we've had. So appreciate you all listening if you're still hanging on, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, being back to do it all again next week. Have a good one.